Crazy Effing Mommy, episode 135. I'm your host, Elise Delucci. How are you doing? Welcome to Manhattan. Mm, I'm okay. I think that being okay is fine. You know? My girlfriend, she says to me the other day, Elise, are you happy? I said, who needs happiness when you can have trans fats? You know? I I don't know. The idea of happiness to me, mm, I think... As I get older, I'm realizing that happiness is just an emotion. It's just an emotion that comes and goes. It's a state of being, right? Sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm not. Like, when I'm online at Pinkberry, the frozen yoga place, I am not happy. The line's always ridiculous. I usually see dirty shit on the floor. I am happy, though. When I take that first bite of size large original with gummy bears and brownie bites, and it travels into my mouth, down my throat, into my belly. That's happiness. That's probably because I equate, you know, food and happiness because that's the only way my mother was able to show love. But that that's fine. That's that's fine. That's that's very Italian. Or every other food centric culture. But there was a study that was done by uh, Harvard professor Daniel Daniel Gilbert who wrote uh, Stumbling on Happiness, which is a really good book. I bought it years ago. It came out years ago. It's a white paperback book. It's worth reading. Uh, Daniel Gilbert and another guy, uh, Matthew Killingsworth, professors at Harvard, they did a study on happiness and they found that 46%, fact of the day, by the way, of people, while they're in the act of doing an activity or something, their mind is wandering. And that state of mind wandering causes them unhappiness. And what they basically found is a wandering mind is an unhappy mind. And it's kind of like what I was talking about last week about meditation and trying to stay in the moment and stay present, which, by the way, is so much easier said than done. So I, you know, I need to stress that. But they, how they did the study is they built an iPhone app. They went out to 2,200 people. And at random intervals, they said to the people, what are you doing in this moment? And are you thinking about your current activity? Or are you thinking about something else? And are you happy? And then 40%, 46% of those people came back and said uh, that they were thinking about something else and they weren't particularly happy, right? And they stress in the survey that this idea of, of mind wandering it's ubiquitous. We all do it. You know, I mean, it's a completely natural thing. But basically, the study showed that our mental lives are pervaded to a remarkable degree about being in or having a state of, of, of non-presence, right? So, which is totally normal, no? It's a, we, we kind of live in that kind of world, right? I mean, this is, this is how it is. It's not like the olden days where, you know, there was no internet and no television and, you know, no lights, whatever. You'd sit around, okay, no lights, little exaggeration, but you'd sit around with the family and you'd listen to a, a radio show, right? Of course you're present in that moment. Of course you're present in that moment listening to the radio show. You're all engrossed. There was like one radio program on like a day. If you were lucky to have a radio, of course you're going to be present. Your mind's not going to be wandering about what you're going to make for dinner or changing the channel because there was, you know, that's what you're doing. 
But now we have these constant options. We have the it's like a conveyor belt that never life these days it's like a never ending conveyor belt of options right if you don't like something you could just scroll on to the next channel right you could change mediums you could do whatever and and that that constant change i think this is this is an elise delucci thought trains our brain to just always be clicking the the uh proverbial channel so to speak right so it only makes sense that when you're actually doing something, your mind is elsewhere. Well, these people are saying that that's what that that's what's causing this uh, unhappiness in the world. So, how do you solve that? I don't know. I think it's about being present. And and to be honest, and I, you know, I mean, like again, one Italian woman's thoughts living in New York City, right? One educated professional Italian woman's thoughts. Um, I do think that the school, the education curriculums in school should be changed to incorporate mindfulness and some sort of meditation. I, I know, that's like so California of me to say. I know. Here's the thing. I, I, I get the benefit of gym, like kickball and, you know, all those kind of things. I get the benefit of home ec. Some schools I know still do home ec and, and that. I get the benefit of field trips. But teaching people, I don't know, how to sew and cook, ah, what's more beneficial? That or the fact that maybe being present, meditation, staying focused. I don't know. Maybe we could do a hybrid of both. Maybe you should add that in. And I know it's not even called home ec. Like, I don't, I don't really know what it's called. But do you need woodshop? Do we need to learn how to, like, build a treehouse? Yeah, I get it. Basic survival skills. How to cook some rice, you know, saute a vegetable and, and, and build yourself a barn. But really, like, in this, we live in technology. The curriculum should change to match that. I think that we should be teaching money skills. And I think that we should be teaching meditation skills. I wish I had that when I was a kid. Or even uh, in high school. Because in college, you could, you know, you could obviously choose your classes. But it's just, just my POV. Anyway, on the happiness note, I talked about this ages ago, ages ago, that in, in the 30s, in the 1930s, Harvard did a study where they took a sampling of people, a men that attended their school, because that was at the time when men were only able to be at Harvard. And they, they took a sampling of those people and they wanted to ask them, what makes you happy in your life? And the survey is so interesting. You can look it up. If you type in Google 90-year Harvard study, it will come right up. It's a famous thing. And every few years, these researchers would check in with this sample of men. And they would ask them at, at various periods of their life, you know, ages, career, you know, milestones, are you happy? What's your life like? Tell me, tell me. And they culled all this data, right? 724 participants from all over the world. And the number one thing that they found is positive relationships keep us happier and healthier and help us live longer, period, right? So basically, this the, the number one key to happiness is social fitness, Another part of the the study that I don't have uh, written down here, but I know 
came from it. One of the areas of, of uh, happiness, source of happiness was having children, which is so interesting to me and a little off tangent from what I was planning on go, where I was going. But, um, you know, a lot of Gen Z are, of course, saying that they are not interested in having any children at all. You know, it's just not something that they want to do. And I, I think I don't have the stat in front of me, but it's something like 40, 50% of Gen Z do not want to have children. They rather be focused on uh, enjoying their money. They, they, they rather uh, be work, you know, focused on their personal growth, career growth, all that kind of stuff. Uh, they're also worried about climate change. Um, and and the expense of raising a family and those are very legitimate concerns right but it's interesting because when you look at this Harvard data that was the first thing I thought of I thought you know positive relationships having children being the number one key to happiness over this 90 year survey but then the youngest generation are not having children and my kids that are part of Gen Alpha which is the name uh, for the generation that's sort of under 10 they, I'm assuming that they're going to be the same way. Oh, we don't want to have kids. My my eldest daughter, my eight-year-old, she's already saying she doesn't want to have, oh, mommy, I don't want to have kids. Okay. Why? Eh, this did the hard work. Okay, so it's like it's, if you're not going to have kids, like what are you going to do? I know that sounds like such an antiquated thing to say, but I don't know. Because kids, all joy, no fun, right? Come on, let's be serious. Uh, they bring so much joy, but it, the days are hard. But you know what? Then you look back on the days and you think, oh, I wish I could go back to those times. At least I know I do that. And I'm happy, by the way, that I'm conscious of that right now. Because they're seven and eight, my girls, as you know. And uh, I think I would be sad if I if they were you know, 14 and 15 and I kind of stumbled upon that thought then. But I'm doing it now. So I'm trying to be more present. I'm trying not to let my mind wander. But this whole idea of what happiness is, I want to be happy. I don't know. You know, Chris, who I love, he sometimes I say to him, Chris, what do you what do you want out of life? You know? He's in his fifties. He, you know, never had children, never engaged, never married. What do you want? And he says, Oh, I want to be happy. All right, but like you lived a half a century already. Like you haven't figured that out, you know? And he has achieved so much. So it's like what does this stuff not make you happy? And he seems that he's on this constant quest for happiness. I have to tell him about the mind wandering. But again, he's from the, the you know, he's from the baby boomer generation. I don't know how much, I shouldn't say that. I don't know how in tune they are to this kind of um, stuff, this kind of data these kinds of ideas than we are. Because I did, we were at the diner recently and I was in the middle of a conversation, right? And I don't know what I was talking about. And as I'm in the middle of the conversation, he says, hey, you know what? And he, he touches the can of seltzer that I was drinking. And he just totally changes the subject on how seltzer cans, they used to be heavier and in different shape or whatever the hell he was saying. And I said, uh, hello, I'm talking. I'm ta Did you just interrupt what I was saying to tell me about the can and shape and heaviness? of the seltzer like who cares <laughs> and by the way you're not paying attention and he's like oh i just thought of it i wanted to tell you he, i said to him babe and then you go around and you say that like you want to be happy maybe you should streamline the thoughts he's like wow i think that's a generational thing that Wah. okay moving on um the thai restaurant near my house that i don't order from you know, it's closed in the morning when I 
walk the girls to school. I almost said drive. How hilarious. Drive to school. That would be ridiculous. School's like a few blocks away. When I walk the kids to school every morning, the Thai restaurant is closed. But I started to realize when I'm walking them, there is a cat. A cat. Meow. Sitting in the window of this Thai restaurant. This closed Thai restaurant. And I am automatically skeeved out. Why is there a cat in your restaurant? after hours and even during hours gross isn't that like unsanitary shouldn't somebody call the health department so i told this to chris you know who's been in the hospitality business for you know decades and i said babe there's a cat at the thai restaurant note to self never order from there and it gets an a rating by the way it's not like a b or a c you know and mm, it says to me elise i never knew this before he says elise you know that restaurants bring in cats when they have uh, a rodent problem and i said what and he said yeah he said at least it's the it's the fastest thing to get rodents away he said there's more rats than people in this city he said if you have he said there's rats in in every establishment in new york if you think that there's not he's like you're crazy he's like there's food everywhere there's crumbs there's cooking there's oils he said so Restaurants, a lot of the restaurants, they're, they're bound to have these these vermin problems. He said, and it's very hard to, to catch the, the mice and the rats with, you know, humane rat traps or even non-humane rat traps. He said, so what, what they do is they either pay off the health department and the health department turns a blind eye when they come and they do their checks, um, you know, and they, they have the cat in there. Or, they you know, they bring a cat in, they cage it when the health department comes in, throw a sheet over the cage... And then, you know, they, when the guy leaves, the inspector leaves, they let the cat out, and they, your rats are gone in a second. He, sa- he said it's like the, 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 the rats smelled the cat, and they just go right next door to the restaurant. I was so disgusted. I said, how, how have I been living in this city forever, and I have no idea that that was a thing? And he said, it's a thing. He said, mm. He said, I'm going to tell you something. He said, having a cat in your restaurant in the kitchen, in the back, in the basement, is a lot effing cleaner than having rats. And he said he worked at places that had rats and mice. Droppings in the ice maker. Ugh. He's worked at places they've had droppings in the sauce. Stuff. I mean, how gross. I don't know. And there I was thinking that, you know, the owner of the toy restaurant was like a cat lover. And, and couldn't get enough of, you know, the alley cats and just stocking them in the restaurant after hours. But you, know, you learn something new every day. So did you watch the Oscars? Obviously I did. You know, had an Oscar party. I know we haven't spoken since the Oscars, but I, uh, I don't know. I didn't really love them, to be honest. I thought Jimmy Kimmel was a fabulous host. He was the perfect person to host the Oscars, right? I thought his slap joke was funny. I, you know, I liked it. I thought there was a lot of tension in the room. I think he should have acknowledged it. I saw a lot of backlash online when I read it. But I don't know. I, the movies, I didn't love the movies. I <clears throat> I saw The Fablemans, which was Steven Spielberg's movie that he directed about his own life. It won no awards. And by the way, it is totally worth watching. If you haven't seen The Fablemans, definitely watch it. Movie talk. Um, Post-World War II era film, really, really cute. Uh, the, the, the Fablemans is based on the Spielbergs, and Sammy Fableman is the real-life Steven Spielberg. And uh, Sammy Fableman, young boy, falls in love with 
the movies and the movie making process after his family goes to take him to see a, a movie called The Greatest Show on Earth. At first he was really scared when he saw the movie. Then he, 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 I don't know, he came to love it or someone bought him a camera, whatever. I saw it a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember the details. Um, and someone bought him the video camera and he started to make little movies and, and then bigger little productions with his friends and Boy Scouts and whatever. And then they moved the family to LA and the whole thing, right? And and that's that's the story of Steven Spielberg. It was so nice. It was such a nice movie. It's a nice feel-good movie. It's a nice movie to watch with the kids. It's a nice snapshot uh, back in time. And it's also, in my opinion such a great story of one of the world's most celebrated directors to see what his life was like and how he too was not devoid of familial issues and personal problems and anxieties and depressions and all that kind of stuff and however he persevered and I don't know if this film was made you know through rose-colored glasses or whatever I felt it had real issues and it. it's totally worth the watch it was so interesting uh, to me that it didn't win any awards. It was real Americana. I loved it. Um, maybe people didn't give him an award because he's Steven Spielberg and they felt like, nah, you've had enough. You know, maybe, maybe that was the thing. But everything, everywhere, all at once. I love the actors in it. I love the speeches that they gave. But I watched the movie and I didn't really appeal to me. Sci-fi didn't didn't appeal. I haven't seen Brendan Fraser in The Whale. It's a little too sad for me. I just, I don't know. I'm not in a sad mood lately. I don't really want to have anything bring me down. And then uh, the other one. What the hell was that other movie that won all the awards? I don't know. But I saw it also. Did it just didn't appeal to me. I don't know. Angela Bassett, though. Did you see her in that purple gown? Gorgeous. I thought that was gorgeous. Jessica Chastain, she had the glitter, a glitter gown with the black. It was like a black uh, lining, like a, I think it was a pointed sweetheart neckline, you know, strapless. Mm. Jamie Curtis looked amazing, age appropriate. I love that. Sigourney Weaver, I did not love her dress. I felt like it, it was, it was, I don't know. I felt like it was just not flattering. Classy, but not flattering. Lady Gaga, I loved her performance on the Oscar Oscars. I loved how she decided to strip it all down, take off her makeup, put on a black t-shirt inside out, a pair, pair of black jeans. It's worth watching if you haven't seen her perform uh, singing. What was the song she was singing? The, I don't know, the Top Gun Maverick song. It actually, I, it also struck me as funny. Like, so Gaga, Stephanie from New York City, love you, my fellow Italian. You... You, you got all dolled up probably hours before the Oscars, right? And, you know, the makeup and the hair and the teams, probably, you know, and the gown, all dolled up. And then what'd you go to the bathroom and wash it off? <laughs> wash it all away and throw on your jeans. And like, did you put, did you have your makeup put back on for the after parties? I don't know. Anyway, not, uh, not my favorite Oscars last year was more exciting. I'm sure that's very incorrect of me to say but hmm. New York Times had an article would you date a podcast bro I I don't know probably not to be honest considering that I'm not dating right this second but uh they there was a girl the article was cute it was a it was about you know if you date somebody 
that has a podcast, the likelihood of them talking about you on the podcast is probably very high. And yeah, I mean, I agree. Of course, of course, it's going to be high. I mean, if you're if you're doing a solo cast like I do, you know, you're just talking. I mean, of course, your personal life is going to come up in it. It's very hard by the way, to do a podcast where it's just a one-way conversation. This is why most people have conversations with other people on their podcast or they interview. I personally use this podcast as talking to you directly. I feel like you're my friends, you're my family, you're my girlfriends. I got the girlfriend, you know, my real-life girlfriends in the the real life that I went to school. They have their 17,000 kids. Everybody's busy doing things. I just want some time of just talking about the issues of the day. So that's what this is, you know? But it's very hard and takes a lot of self-control to be able to have a podcast and not weave in your personal life, right? I think for the first maybe 40 or 50 episodes of my show, which was started as the Elise Delucci show and then changes changed as uh, to Crazy Effing Mommy. And, I, you know, it really has two names. I don't really care what the name of it is, this podcast. But uh, the first 40, 50 episodes, I didn't talk a lot about my personal life. You know, I didn't talk about my ex, boyfriend, relationships, dating, kids. I felt like, oh, it's private, it's private. But at the end of the day, we live in such a voyeuristic society, a voyeuristic culture. Why shouldn't I just divulge who I am and, and what my life is? And also, just like I'm curious about your life and my friends' lives on social media or on the phone, I'm sure that it the, the feeling's mutual, right? So and what do I have to hide? Nothing. Anyway. So would you date a podcast, bro? Most people said no. Most people said no in the article. Um, also, one interesting opinion in the article is that a girl says, well, you know, I wouldn't date a podcast, bro, because he's probably arrogant and he thinks his opinions are fascinating. And, you know, he he's arrogant, probably arrogant and all this kind of stuff. I don't know. I'm not. I don't think my opinions are fascinating. I just want to have a conversation. I mean, who cares, honestly? And I got a really cute DM. Let's move on from that dumbass topic. Uh, I we I got a really cute DM from a girl. I don't know what your name is, but I'm sure you're listening because she said she listened. She's 25 years old, and she said to me, Elise, she said, I'm 25. I still live with my parents. Can you do me a favor? Can you talk about money or add a finance segment to the show? Here's the thing. I have a friend I met through the podcast and internet. Maria, hi. I'm sure you're listening. She's out in Long Island. I said to her once, eh, months ago, I said, oh my God, Maria, you know, you know my career, my full-time career. I said, should I talk about money and stuff and Wall Street or, you know, finance in my on my podcast? Should I do it on stage, talk about big corporate career, what it was like being a fish out of water, all these kind of things. And her advice was really good. She said, yeah, I think you should talk about it. You could touch on it, but you don't want to lose like the core audience, which the core audience is just regular girls, right? Wanting to hear regular conversation about food and entertainment and cooking, da, da, da. and the same thing on uh, when you're on stage. So you don't want to fill it with too much, uh, you know, like white collar, this is how you invest, DTF this, you know, start up that, you know, it, I get it. I get it. 
And I took that advice really seriously, right? And I think about it a lot. But I do also, it's not even a but, I do also, because she, she thinks it too, I do also have young listeners like you that maybe uh, I remind you of them or, I'm, or you you know, vice versa. Maybe I remind you of, you know, your cool aunt, maybe a nuts aunt, whatever. Or we're from the same tribe. And you want to know how I... Uh, you know, navigated a corporate career or maybe owned my apartment, you know, and whatever else I own, you know, on this sort of up fancy Upper East Side of Manhattan. You know, these, these, right. I mean, because come on, everybody wants to know how to do stuff like that. So <clears throat> I don't have the answer, but what I could tell you, and I guess I could weave in some finance tips, some money tips, is, okay, at 25 years old, this is, these are my finance tips for if you're 25. And if you have a daughter or son and you're listening, I think this is worth sharing with them. The first thing I would say is to use cash. Have cash in hand. Don't use a credit card. That would be, if I could go back and tell my younger self advice, so I'm 39, right? If I could go back and tell my 21, 22-year-old self what to do with money, luckily I started to figure it out shortly after that. If I could tell my younger self what to do with money, it would be to only use cash. Do not use credit cards. Credit cards have great benefits in terms of uh, protecting your purchases, um, you know, racking up points and using them for vacations and all this kind of stuff. But a lot of that chatter, points and protection, like you don't need at 25 years old, okay? I mean, that's just the reality of the situation. You don't really need it. You should only be buying and spending your money on things that you can afford and you have the cash to pay for. I cannot stress that enough. Um, when I was, maybe I was 20 or 21, I can't remember. I was in a store with my girlfriend, Stephanie. We were in the Staten Island Mall. I'll never forget this. And I think we were in Express. And she was buying some stuff and she they said, oh, you know, do you want to open a card and you get a discount? A credit store credit card and she said no no you know I already have one and I said oh I'll open it you know because the big shot like who, who, who the hell was I open up a store credit card at 20 years old I'll open it oh yeah babe and then you can get the you could go get the 15 percent off I'll do it big shot right that was a big shot then and uh so I opened the card no idea no implication of what this was doing to my credit she gets the 15% off, and now I have a brand new line of credit at the store Express, like, no offense Express, but I don't really shop there. I didn't shop there at 18, not shopping there at 39, just saying. So I had a line of credit. I didn't even know what I was doing, okay? I'm sure she wrote me a check. She's very on top of things like that. I'm sure I paid the bill, but I never used it again. I'm sure that store credit card wound up hurting my credit score. I can't stress enough how you have to just use cash. That's just like one stupid example. But even to this day, I have one credit card. I have an American Express card. I do not have multiple credit cards. I used to have a Visa. I don't have it anymore. If I go somewhere that doesn't take American Express, if I go somewhere and I'm paying with my card and it doesn't take American Express, guess what I do? I leave. I don't stay at the place. I don't care. And the reason why I have American Express is because I like their UI, the user interface on their website. I like that I need to, if I need to pull up a receipt fast, I could do that. 
I like the way American Express operates. I like their customer service. And I do pay for one of their premium cards because I find it to be worth it in terms of some of the perks or whatever. But I'm in a different situation than you because I own my apartment. And I apologize, you know, if you don't at 25, maybe you own you did say you live in your parents' house, but I apologize if you have real estate, but whatever. Uh, but I I own my apartment. I have the two kids. I'm divorced. You know, I have a different life, right, where I would need maybe a certain credit card, maybe on the more premium side, whatever. But my advice to you would be to just use cash. Just use cash. Give yourself a certain amount of money a week, whatever it is, $200 a week, $150 a week of spending money right? Whatever you can afford and only use that. I also, my other advice would be to open up a brokerage account on Vanguard and start putting a direct deposit weekly or bi-weekly right out of your paycheck into an ETF fund, an index fund. VTI, that's the Vanguard ETF, the total stock market fund. VOO, that's the Vanguard S&P 500 fund you know, the weighted index against the S&P 500. Because, and here's why. Nothing is like compound interest in this world. Slow and steady wins the race, period. And I'm not saying that rich equates to winning at all. It doesn't. But at 25 years old, time is on your side. If you go to Vanguard.com, click on I don't know, individual investors, personal accounts, whatever it is, open it up, fill out your information, open a basic brokerage account and hook up your debit card or, you know, routing check, whatever you have to do and start to make, even if it's $20 a week, $20 a week, $50 a week, bi-weekly, whatever, into this index fund. I promise you in 10 years, you will be thanking me. Don't ever touch it. Don't ever sell it. Don't even look at it. Just don't. It's safe. It's the total stock market or it's the S&P 500 or, and you know, and obviously as you get older, you can pick up books. Susie Orman has books. There's tons of money books out there. There's money blogs. There's Instagram, right? Uh, TikTok, there's your finance tips on TikTok. I would be more selective on who I take financial tips from as I'm telling you this and you probably never met me in person, but I get why you're asking me. You're asking me because, you know, we're from the same tribe. Maybe you like my lifestyle, whatever it is. This is my advice to you. Cash, no credit cards, and open up a brokerage account and just start doing direct deposits. Because the other thing is uh, when you start this young, the brokerage account stuff, the, the, don't buy individual companies. That's the other thing. Just don't. I don't care what family member tells you. Oh, my, you know. Cisco stock is amazing and it always offered amazing dividends. I just, oh, okay. When you have that conversation at Thanksgiving, oh, okay. Oh, awesome. Great. I'll look at it. That's all that you should be responding. Okay, cool. Oh, how does that work? Great. You could ask some questions. Do not buy into the hype. You just want to stay, have a diversified investment. I would just start off with one fund, period, right? And the reason, like I said, the reason why at 25 years old this is important is because at 35, you're still going to be so young, right? At 45, you're still going to be so young. And you're going to be so happy at 45 years old that for 20 years, you have this investment, this non-real estate investment, no, not college education investment, right? That literally you could sell at any time if you had a real, real emergency. 
and it will pay dividends, right? You, it, listen, depending on the amount of money that you put into this fund uh, every week or bi-weekly, you, it will make you a millionaire by the time you're in your 60s. I kid you not, or earlier. Again, depending on how much you put in. You reinvest the dividends. That's the other thing. When it when it asks you when you fill out on the paperwork, do you want to reinvest the dividends? Always check that off. So that's my advice. Of course, if you were older, advice would be that you know my my thought would be different. Advice like again, I feel like who am I? But my thoughts would be different. Uh, you know, you'd want to be conservative. You would want to be in bonds if you were older, 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 older. Um, of course, if you had tons of money, if you had inheritance, uh, you'd want to be putting some in bonds, some in stocks, some in rights, whatever. But that's my uh, finance segment of the show. So I hope you are happy. Feel free to ask me questions. If you have any questions, you can ask me. I'll answer them on the podcast. And I'm happy to talk about that kind of stuff. I really am. I, I'm not a money expert. I've said this before. I'm not a money expert. I'm not a, a registered personal. I'm not a registered inv- investment advisor. I'm not a personal finance advisor. I am just an Italian girl that was born in Brooklyn, raised in Staten Island. I went to high school in New Jersey. Yes, I don't really talk about that, but I did. Um, and I've been living in the city for 20 years and I have real estate uh, that I own and I live a comfortable-ish life because uh, New York is so damn expensive. By the way, can you imagine? I went to the supermarket the other day. I paid, uh, no, no, let me stop myself. I almost paid $7 a pound for broccoli crowns. Could you, and let me say something. I don't even like to buy goddamn broccoli crowns. The only reason why I buy broccoli crowns is because my kids don't like the bottom parts of broccoli. And uh, why should I pay for the bottom part of broccoli when they don't even eat it? I just want the top. Just give me the crown. Give me the crown. $7 a pound for broccoli crowns. Can you imagine? On what what planet are we living in? I said, forget it. I'll go buy it at the fruit stand on the corner. And this is why supermarkets are closing, by the way. Let me say that. Okay. Anywho. Oh, product of the day. So, you know, every week I obviously talk about a product. This week, I have no product. It's a service, and it's Amazon Subscribe and Save. So, listen to this. Every three months, I was getting a box from Amazon with three deodorants. The the degree deodorant that I use. Three degree deodorants in it. I remember the box coming to my apartment and I was like, I did I order this? I had no idea. I couldn't even remember. So I go into my Amazon account and I'm like, I am really losing my mind at this three o'clock in the morning ordering business. And I see that I accidentally signed up for Amazon subscribe and save, which gives you a little bit of a discount, 10, 20% off, whatever it is on products. If you do this, uh, subscribe every three months, you could set the cadence once a month, whatever. I was about to cancel it and then I realized, you know what? This actually is pretty good because going back to that mindfulness, staying in the present, if I set up subscribe and save for some, not all, some of the products that I use on a regular basis, products that I know are not going to really have big fluctuations in price because you have to remember if you set up subscribe and save for some of the products and all of a sudden toilet paper becomes a thousand dollars a roll you're going to be charged for it and then you got a problem good luck negotiating that refund with amazon okay but so i set up subscribe and save for my lip liner i did once a month lip liner 
Uh, I think I did like once every six months, like a big box of baby wipes, big thing, because I use them, the kids, you know, just, I just like to have them in the house. I keep throw them in my bag, whatever. I did antibacterial wipes. Again, same thing. Like to keep them. I'm a germaphobe. I like to keep them around and in my pocketbook. I'm saving a lot of money by doing this. I'm also taking the thought out of, you know, my head that, I, oh God, I'm out of, you know, wet ones. I need to get the individual wet ones. That's worth the product of the week, in my opinion. I didn't go overboard. I only did, you know, four or five products and I have them marked in my iPhone notes of the ones that I did subscribe and save for because I do want to go and check periodically the prices because that is the little sneaky thing, a little sneaky thing about that Amazon is they change the prices every so often. So I don't want to get stuck paying $400 for wet ones because that's what happens during the pandemic, you know, everything. Do you remember that? Trying to, did you try to get individual hand sanitizer, the little, you know, packets? I did because my, when the pandemic started, the girls, they were four and five or something. Mm. So we lived by, we swore by them. And I remember going on Amazon and looking for the wet ones and they were like $40 a box for a box, 20 individual wipes. I was like, get the hell out of here. Nuts. You're all nuts. <laughs> anyway. Okay, quote of the day, Charles Spurgeon. Don't ask me who he is. I read this quote and I thought, oh my God, it ties in so nicely with all this happiness business. It's not how much we have, but how much we enjoy that makes happiness. And that, people, is my quote of the day. I'm Elise DeLucci. This is Crazy Effing Mommy, episode 135. I love to love you, baby.